Hello and welcome back to another installment of the CBM podcast. This week we are privileged to hear from Morel Lisa Joel. Morel Lisa grew up in Spring Valley, New York. She then studied in Israel at Michlala for one and a half years, um, and then studied in Stern College as well. Afterwards, she went on to uh, achieve her master's in Jewish education from the Azrieli School. She taught in Moriah in Englewood, New Jersey for nine and a half years, and has been teaching Tanakh at the Fuchs Mizrahi School here in Cleveland um, in the upper school for 15 years. In addition to teaching, Moraliza is also the junior high mashkicha ruchanit and a mentor for, nor- for new teachers. Uh, so without any further ado, please enjoy some Torah from Moraliza Joel. I'd like to begin by expressing hakaratov to Danny Schwartz. Thank you for enabling me to share some thoughts on this week's Parsha, Parsha Noach, with you. The construct of Sefer Bereshit is made up of two parts. Prakim Aleph through Yid Aleph, the first 11 chapters, discuss the period of creation. The stories are universal. They deal with all of humanity. And from Perak Yid Bet, from chapter 12 on, it discusses the period of the Avot. The stories are more specific to B'nai Israel as a nation. The story at the end of this week's Parsha, Migdal Bavel, is the last Perak of the first half. It's clear from the text that the story affects all of mankind. It opens up with the words, the whole earth was of one language. So the question is, what does this come to teach us about humanity? Why is this the story that is the bridge between the more universal stories and messages and the more nationalistic for B'nai Israel messages? I'm going to ask you to dispel and forget any of the Midrashim you learned as a kid and to approach these psukim in a fresh slate. So if we read the first four psukim in Perak Yid Aleph, it describes a situation. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. These people traveled and they settled in a place called Shinar, which is likely Mesopotamia, which is one of the oldest and most famous cities in the ancient Near East. And they settled there. And one person said to the next, Let's make bricks. We'll burn them thoroughly to make them useful. And and those uh, bricks they would use for stones. And the slime or some type of more liquidy substance they would use for mortar to use to build things to connect the bricks together. And they said to each other, Come, let's make a city. With the tower in it, and its top will reach the sky. We'll make a name. Lest we be scattered across the face of the whole earth. If you read these psukim on a pshat level, the description, description seems to be very neutral. It's a story of a bunch of people wanting to build a city. It's a building project. If anything, I think you can look at this and it appears very positive because there's such a sense of unity, of working together, of communication, of having a singular focus. It appears as if they're actually fulfilling the mitzvah that we received in last week's parsha, when we're told that we are supposed to conquer, overcome the land, meaning, as the Ramban explains here, that we should build up the world and we should continue to plant and inhabit. The Ibn Ezra also views these psukim in a more positive way. And he says, 
these people who built the, the tower, they weren't foolish. They didn't think they would actually be able to reach the heavens. The purpose for their building project, they wanted it to be a symbol, to be a landmark for travelers and shepherds. Now, they didn't want to spread out, which is what Hashem's plan was, but they didn't realize that. And the Ibn Ezra says it really wasn't even, they, it didn't come in their minds that they were going to do something against Hashem. It wasn't a purposeful revolt against God. Their plan ultimately contradicts the divine plan and therefore Hashem involves himself, but it was never, they didn't have an evil intention. The difficulty with understanding it in that way is that Hashem's reaction in the following psukim shows that their endeavor was not quite as innocent as it might appear at first glance. The psukim continue, Hashem came down to see the city and the tower that the people built. And Hashem said, here, the people are one people. They all have the same language. And this is what they started to do. And now, I'm not going to allow them to finish what their purpose was. So let's come down and I'll mix up their languages. So one person will not be able to understand the other one's language. Hashem Otamisham and Hashem scattered them from there, amongst the entire land, and they stopped building the city. Okay. So it's very clear from Hashem's reaction that the event here is viewed as a chait, as a sin. And in fact, the language that's used here is very reminiscent to the language used in the story of Sodom in Parakud Chet. The same Shorish of Yud Resh Dalid. Uh, appears in both stories, Hava Nerda and Bayered Hashem Lerot in our story, and then in the story of Sodom, Erda Naver that Hashem says, Let me go down and see if the cries of the city of what's going on here. And Rashi comments in both that in both places that they're actually very identical, they're very similar. He even references the Dorha Flaga in his in his explanation by Sodom. And since Sodom was clearly viewed as a sin, we can apply that same logic to our story here, Migdal Bavel, because of the similarities in languages and the parallels between the two stories. Okay, so we know it's a sin, but what exactly is the sin? And even the Midrash uh, in Parishit Rabbah is bothered by that and says, It's very clear what the sin of the generation of the Mabel of the flood was. But what the exact sin was of the uh, the generation of the door of the door of Migdal Bavel, of those who built the Tower of Bavel, is really unclear. And that's why the Midrash comes in here. The Midrash comes in to fill in the blanks, to fill in the, the storyline, um, to help make the psukim seem to flow more and to make a little bit more sense. So let's reread the, the psukim. Let's look a little bit more deeply and analyze them through a Midrashic lens. Rashi explains that from the outset, the, the, this whole story um, was a serious revolt against God. It was the root, that was the root of the sin of the chit. He gives three possible explanations, either one that the people of the Migdal Bavel generation were trying to wage war against Hashem, or that they wanted to come up with a plan um, about the, about the Yehud, the one, the Yachid, the one who is referred to as 
one, meaning Hashem, um, or a third opinion is that they were actually nervous and they were scared from what they had seen in the Mabul. And they were scared that something like that would happen again. So they said, you know what, let's make supports for the firmament. Let's go up and overcome what God's plan is. And we will take over the natural occurrence. We will be able to use our power to change what God has planned. So whichever understanding you like best, <laughs> the goal is clearly was to blur the lines between God and man. They wanted to remove the uniqueness of Hashem and equate themselves with God and show that they had just as much power uh, as Hashem did. If you look closely at the text and Pasuk Gimel, it elaborates about the technological innovation. It talks about in a lot of detail uh, about the pricks and the mortar and the stuff they used and how they were going to make it and burn it and fire it, it seems a bit strange uh, and possibly even insignificant. But it was this advancement, this ability for them to create in such a way which empowered them to think that they could even accomplish anything like they had intended to go up and conquer God. And again, if you look at the psukim, if you now go back to the things that you learned as a younger kid, it explains the purposes and the intentions of the construction of this city. Right? We can make a name for ourselves. What's interesting is that the phrase or something like it appears many, many times in Tanakh. And when it appears in Tanakh, it very, very frequently connotes publicity or honor. It's often used to glorify Hashem's name. However, the purpose here is clearly their self-aggrandizement. Their arrogance led them to want to, to glorify themselves and to remove God from the picture. What's interesting to note is that the story that immediately follows is the story of Avram Avinu, who we know is famous for calling out B'Shem Hashem in the name of, God, of God numerous times. And it's a very telling juxtaposition. When used, shame is used to help Hashem, to, uh, to, to glorify God, that's amazing. And in fact, it's very ironic, but in, everybody knows Avraham's name, even though Avraham was the one that wanted to make a name for Hashem. In turn, Hashem made Avraham's name great, the Agad Lashemecha. But ironically, the Dor HaFlaga, who wanted to make a name for themselves, now nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows any of the particular members. And even at the end of the story, they couldn't even communicate one with another. And it says, Penafut, we don't want to spread out. Um, and the Rashbam explains that the commandment that Hashem gave to mankind last week was pru urivu, I mean, in last week's Parsha, was pru urivu, to multiply umil'u et ha'aret and fill the land. We're supposed to spread out. We're supposed to inhabit all parts of the world. But the Dor HaFlaga tried to contain themselves to one place and one location. They sought to oppose the nature of the world and how Hashem had wanted it to be. They didn't want to be at the mercy of God, but rather they wanted to be the rulers and controllers of nature and of their own space. They felt that if they were unified together in a very specific location that they could determine their own fate. 
Hashem's reaction is also very telling in the sense of the midah keneged midah that comes through it. Moshe Zavik Kasuto uh, even goes so far as to say that Hashem's reaction is somewhat scornful and uh, satirical. The Dor HaFlaga intended to build something rosho vashamayim, something up its heads, uh, reaching the heavens. And then it says, Vayirat Hashem, but Hashem came down. In God's eyes, the edifice wasn't gigantic. It was a thing of the earth and not of heaven. They were not able to even come close to what they thought would be the Shamayim, the heavens of God. And Hashem very clearly calls them B'nai Ha'adam, right? You are mere mortals. You're just humans. You are not divine beings. You cannot accomplish what you are trying to accomplish. And Rashi there also points out when it says B'nai Ha'adam, looking at the Heha Yedi'ah, Rashi explains that there is a parallel bet- between Adam HaRishon and the Dor HaFlaga, that just as Adam HaRishon was Kafui Tova, just as he took the things that God gave him and threw them back in his face, so to speak. So that's what the Dor HaFlaga did as well. They didn't appreciate everything that Hashem wanted to give them. And instead, they used those exact things for bad. And the punishment that Hashem brings is very clearly midah keneged midah. It is measure for measure. The Dor HaFlaga wanted to na'asel anushem, to make a name for ourselves. We want to be famous. We want to be so known throughout the world. And ultimately, lo yishmu ish svat be'ehu, that even amongst themselves, they couldn't communicate and nobody could understand each other's words, let alone publicize the greatness of each other. And number two, pen nafutz, lest we spread out, and the Hashem comes down, and it is here that we get scattered throughout all the corners of the earth. I find the story really fascinating because, and the superficial reading of the Psukim starts in a seemingly neutral tone, if not obscure. This is because the achdut that they had, the unity that they had, and the technological advancements that they had made could have and should have been used to develop the world and move it forward. God gave them these gifts and these beautiful midot to be able to move the world forward and to be positive agents of change. But they abuse these capabilities because of their arrogance and instead use these talents to rebel against Hashem. The initial state truly was ideal. It should have resulted in amazing and desirable outcomes for the whole world. The purpose of the existence of mankind is to serve God. And when we rebel against Hashem, that's counterproductive to the existence of mankind. So when the Dor HaFlaga took these skills and these traits and used them to revolt against Hashem, Hashem punished them with a lack of that unity. And ultimately there was linguistic, cultural, and geographical divisions that Hashem brought about as a result of the story in order to weaken mankind's strength. I hope that what we learn from this story as we transition from the universal stories to the stories of Avram Avinu, is that we need to use all of the talents that God gives us and the skills that we have and the unity that we can do and use the intelligence that God has granted us to be that or lagoyim and to ultimately bring the world back to a state of full, complete achdut and recognition of Shem Hashem. Shabbat Shalom.